And even for myself, I see evidence in my own career that I was the kind of artist that had to feel it. Everything's got to be all aligned. It's like you can wait for things to be aligned and really miss a moment. And I think sometimes we say, what's for you will not pass you by. Like, okay, that feels good. That feels good to comfort yourself when you sat on your hands and didn't show up. Um, But we look at those, we see those artists that just show up, they do it. And it results in success. Mm -hmm. And, And I think, I think there's other ways to bring that sense of alignment to your life, right? Like creativity is not the only place that you can feel it. Like you can wake up in the morning and meditate. You can go for a walk. You can play the music that makes you feel it. Mm -hmm. But like your craft, like God gave you this gift and you only go visit it when you feel like it because Mm -hmm. you think you're that special. What up, though? Black Friday's family, and welcome back to another installment of the Black Friday's podcast. Today, we have a very special guest in the building, Miss Charity Ward, who is a multi-hyphenate, I just learned that word today, artist. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Appreciate you pulling up to the podcast. So, of course. I always give my guests a chance to introduce themselves and mm-hmm. to invite us into how they see themselves. So just wondering if you, yeah. for the four people that don't know who you are, could you tell us who <laughs> Charity Ward is. It might be a little more than that. Um, <laughs> so I'm an artist, really a holistic artist. I find myself like exploring new creative mediums. Um, so like I was really into photography last year. I'm consistently into creative direction and like that kind of stuff. I'm also into like writing outside of songwriting and my own artistry. But ultimately, I am an artist, a performing artist, a songwriter, Um I said performing artist. Yes, I make music. Mm-hmm. That is that is at the core of who I am. Um, but there's branches that come from that that show up in other creative mediums as well. And you've been a staple in the Detroit music scene for- Staple, that's such a wonderful word. I, I think it's fair to say you've been a staple in the Detroit music scene for a while. I honestly just became a fan of yours over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. People have been telling me about your work for years and then seeing you perform or hearing about your name on different shows and part of different events. And you started pretty young, right? Like yeah. you were like early teens or something. Yeah, yeah. So I started playing guitar when I was 13 and that was like my entryway into music. I grew up in church and was singing with my sisters, but it was never anything I was passionate about or wanted to do Mm -hmm. like I wanted to be a sports um journalist and that kind of thing I was not creative at all um so when I started playing guitar I was like oh I'm good at this better better at this than I've been at anything um but then I started doing shows around like I think 16 I had my first like real show at the ribs and soul fest I had like the first slot of the day Mm -hmm. like 12 p.m (laughs) um but even then I was like oh yeah this is what I'm supposed to be doing yeah that's dope. Yeah. That's dope. And then, so what kind of drew you to music? Was it always like a natural attraction to it? Like you say, you're singing with your sisters or mm-hmm. did you do it because like you, where do you fall in the lineup of it's, your sisters? I'm the third daughter. So I have an older sister named Charday. Mm-hmm. Chanel is next. Then there's me and I have a baby sister, Shalia. Um, I didn't like singing with my sisters at all. Mm-hmm. Um I have like a lower voice. Um, so I was always the alto. There's nothing glamorous, really probably the tenor. There's nothing glamorous about that note, or at least there wasn't for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's selfish. What drew me to music is that if 
I finally found something that made me feel like good about myself. Um, and I was an awkward teenager. I was very much like, you know, I had my sisters to look up to and my sister Sade, she was like winning pageants. Mm -hmm. My sister Chanel was like born gorgeous and like very just people love her. And I was like kind of like a tomboy um, and just like an awkward third child. Um, and so when I started writing songs and people were like, this is brilliant, I'm like, I'm brilliant. Oh, I like how it feels for somebody to tell me that I've made something um, noteworthy and it's kind of an addictive feeling for me. And then I also find so much joy in the process of making music that mm. I'm never gonna stop going back to that. Mm. I love it, I yeah. love it. So now that we got a peek into your world, I'm gonna come back to that because okay. I definitely wanna learn more about your creative process. But I'm gonna intro you to my favorite part of Black Fridays, which is okay. Freestyle Fridays. And because you're an artist, you this shouldn't be an issue with you freestyling, right? Oh my god! Get, I mean, I got a guitar over here in the corner. Do you can, really have no, a guitar? I, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't. <laughs> I'm like, please, if I have to freestyle, I hope I can play an instrument. <laughs> but you don't know musical instruments needed. It's all random questions about okay. you, so you okay. should get them right. I thought I had to rap. No, no. Okay, I, mean, I was like, you, you, I started like preparing myself. I mean, you're the artist, so I'm not gonna stop you if you want to rap. But I also but. wasn't gonna like, I I wasn't gonna punk out. Like I was, I was scared, but I was gonna do. You're I was gonna, gonna, gonna make rap. it happen. But I'm I, glad that. We I, don't, I appreciate I don't that. <laughs> For sure. So I just ask that you answer every question and you answer honestly. That's it. Okay. All right. So growing up, favorite cartoon? Uh, hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. Hey, that's a classic. It's so peaceful for yeah. me. The colors, the tones, the jazz music. I love it. Hey yeah. Arnold, fire. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, it's a two-part question, collaborations that you would like to make happen within the city of Detroit, and then also any collaborators that you would like to work with just in general from a musical standpoint? Um, within the city of Detroit, who would I like to work with? And they're here, they're still here now. I would like this, I'm such a neo soul here. I would love to do a track with Dwelle. Mm. And I know Dwelle pretty, like not pretty well, but like we see each other, it's all love. I would I would like a, a charity Dwelle collab. Um, what was the second part of that question? Anybody in general outside of Detroit. Oh, my dream collaboration is Frank yeah. Ocean. That, that'd be fire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I like, it's like so, my favorite writer. Can we also get Sada Baby on the More Cake remix? I would love that. Me too. I would love that. And the the more I've been thinking outside the box and not being such a freaking like art head, I'm like, yeah, get some rappers. There's some Detroit rappers on these songs. Yeah, Lighten cause, up. Because he is fast. He would. Yeah. He'd go crazy. <laughs> we had to change the drums a little bit right. to like drums on really it. maximize it for him. But yeah, yeah I go can see off. that. I can see that. Nice. So, mm -hmm. because we are from Detroit and the Motor City, do you have a favorite car? Uh, anything Cadillac. Mm. I'm a Cadillac girl. I drive like a simple Cadillac now, um, but like Cadillac feels very Detroit. Um, it feels like old school in a way that's like fly to me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Got my first caddy. So, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm with you on Cadillac that. Cadillac gang. Exactly. Gang, yeah. gang. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Forget yeah. the Jeep, the, uh, the Jeep folks. Yeah. No, it's yeah. all good. I'm it, Cadillac. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I just found out that this is news to me that you were a tomboy growing up and you're into sports. What was your favorite sport? Um, basketball and I was a super Detroit Pistons fanatic. Mm -hmm. So around there, like um, 
I want to call it, it's almost, it's like a romantic era for me around like 03, 04, 05. Yep. Um, so I knew everything there was to know about Chauncey Billups, his stats. I would like argue with the boys about, you know, other basketball teams. I was not missing a game. Um, when they lost to the Spurs in 05, I cried. Like I went and laid on the couch and cried. Yeah, that was tough. Mm-hmm. I have like photos from the parade when they won in, in 2004. I, I loved basketball. It was like me and my dad's thing watching basketball but the Pistons like they made the city feel so just alive at that time how they was hooping so yeah what is something creatively that you would like to get into that you haven't just yet um I want to write for television so um I just recently finished a project where a friend of mine reached out to me and said that um, they needed somebody to write a script for a commercial. And I was like, yes, this is the kind of writing I want to get into, mm-hmm. um, in addition to songwriting, of course. Um, but sometimes I watch episodes of like my favorite TV shows, and I'm like, I, I could have been in the writer's room. like, Or I'll get high and like start thinking about something like that's real goofy, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I should write for TV. I feel like I could write for like Atlanta, but also mm-hmm. like Rick and Morty. Like Some of the thoughts that come to my head, I, I could write for TV. Yeah. Your comedic timing for both of those shows is two different sides of the spectrum, but your comedic timing got to be like oh, on point yeah. for yeah. either one of those. And the thing about Rick and Morty, it's like you got to get to this sick part of your brain yeah. and like make that funny. Right. Um, and I am able to like go there often. Um, and then Atlanta, it's like it's like dry humor. It's like this awkward. We really typically don't see black um, actors showing up or even writers like showing up in that way. And I think as the like artsy homeschool kid, I know how to like get in there too. Know how to push that button. Yes, definitely. Well, congrats to you. You successfully passed Freestyle Friday. Thank you. Easy peasy. Didn't even have to rap. Right. It was a layup, didn't break a sweat. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to learn more about the fact that uh, you're a creative and thinking about your um, songwriting process, how do you kind of get into the flow of being able to create from that standpoint and getting into writing and coming up with like melodies and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Because your stuff seems to come from a personal place, like a very, like you you do it. It's like an introspective look into like what's going on with charity at that point in time, just listening to yeah. it. So I'm curious, like, how do you kind of, how do you get that out of you and turn that into music? I think there's two ways that you can approach um, songwriting and creativity in general. And there's two ways that I approach it. Um, And so there's this analogy that I'll use, like, you know how like on a beautiful summer night, you might find yourself like racing in the street. You grown as hell, but like everything feels good. There's fireflies in the sky. The weather's perfect. Maybe you've maybe you got a buzz. Maybe you had a drink, and you challenge your friend to a race, right? So you get like physical activity from that race, but you're not working out. Like Mm -hmm. it's all joy. It's all inspiration. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that when I get inspired and a song just hits me, it's like that. It's like racing in the street on a summer night. It just flows. And yes, you broke a sweat, but like it was all for the love of the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's going to the gym. There's, There's getting up in the morning and despite the fact that you don't feel like it, going to the gym and working out because it is what's best for you. And I've learned over time that 
I have to do a lot more of that if mm. I'm going to be the artist that I want to be, mm. right? And so I'm still learning how to be consistent in that way because inspiration, racing in the street feels way better than going to the gym and like forcing yourself to do the 45-minute workout. But that is going to be so much more rewarding in the long run. Mm. Um, it's going to transform. You're going to get stronger. It's going to transform your body whole nine. And so I'm very recently learning that that's what creativity has to be. And it's not always going to feel like falling in love. It's not always going to feel euphoric. Mm. Um but I never regret it at the end of that session where I'm like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not inspired. I don't have yeah. anything to say, but I'm going to write a song. Something beautiful comes to me every single time. Mm. And so I'm learning to honor the part of it that is just showing up. I learned this concept from um, a book called Big Magic. Mm. It's written by Elizabeth Gilbert. She, um, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Um, she is like one of the lead, one of my leading voices on creativity. I think there's another really popular book that she wrote too, but it's escaping me. Big Magic is like, if you're a creative, you got to read it. She talks about how we all have muses and they're like these supernatural forces or powers that are looking to see like who they can trust with an idea and how more than half the battle is showing up and sitting at your desk or for me going to my home studio, showing mm -hmm. up and like trusting or causing the muses to trust me. I can trust her with this idea because she's she's going to show up. Mm. Um, so that book was transformational for me because I was like, oh, before the end, like I was writing off inspiration alone. Mm. And I think that's cool. But if you really want to be consistent and, and build a career and make some money, then you got to show up when you don't feel like it. So that's very intriguing because I always wonder, like, what was that creative process for? certain artists because you get the people who is like the artsy artsy people who mm -hmm. really like get deep into it like i gotta feel it it gotta it has yeah. to be a thing and then you have people like uh a, a rick ross or at one point in time like a ludicrous i think about them they're putting out music every year no matter what like yeah. gucci like just every yeah. time i'm dropping something it don't matter how it sound how it look like i'm just packaging it up and getting it out there that's such a myth that you gotta feel it and i'm still t like i'm still telling myself that mm -hmm. you don't gotta feel it like that will come later. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the beauty of creativity is saying, I love you so much that I'm just going to show up for you. And I think, I think we have to be like that in all of our relationships, right? Mm -hmm. We learn as we get older, even in love, right? We want to fall head over heels for somebody. We want to be sick to the stomach with how much we love a person in order to really commit. But sometimes it's like, I'm going to honor the goodness of who you are as a person by committing to you. And I'm going to allow the magic to show up as it decides to along the way. Mm. I'm learning that in life in general, like you don't always have to feel it. Sometimes the feeling will come later if you just honor your relationship with creativity mm. by showing up. Yep. And so I think the people who got to feel it, and even for myself, I see evidence in my own career that I was the kind of artist that had to feel it. Everything's got to be all aligned. It's like you can wait for things to be aligned and really miss 
a moment. And I think sometimes we say, what's for you will not pass you by. Like, okay, that feels good. That feels good to comfort yourself when you sat on your hands and didn't show up. Um, But we look at those, we see those artists that just show up, they do it. And it results in success. Mm -hmm. And, And I think, I think there's other ways to bring that sense of alignment to your life, right? Like creativity is not the only place that you can feel it. Like you can wake up in the morning and meditate. You can go for a walk. You can play the music that makes you feel it. Mm -hmm. But like your craft, like God gave you this gift and you only go visit it when you feel like it because Mm -hmm. you think you're that special. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really getting out of that kind of thinking because I've been writing since I was like 14. And so half of my life I've had that mentality. And sometimes I'm like, man, how many songs would I be in? How, what publishing deal would I be on? Mm-hmm. How, would I live in LA by now if I didn't always have to feel it? Mm-hmm. And I mean, who knows? God is in control ultimately, but I think the shift is is important for creatives like myself. We might have to pass around a collection plate. You started hey. preaching for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you started preaching for a minute, for yeah. sure. And everything that you said, it made me think about a little bit of our conversation we had before we started recording yeah. about you learning more or leaning more into the business side of the show business, as they call it, and just wanted to talk to you about what your journey has been like from being the super creative, creative, got to feel it, got to all those type of things in order for it to happen versus like, okay, no, nah, I understand more of the business aspect yeah. of it. And it's... I need to take those things and then make that accumulated bag. Yeah. So we'll have to circle back around on this like in a year and see like what the fruits of this ended up being for Mm -hmm. me. But what I'll say is in March, I started dating a person who um, is totally different than me. He's like, it's all about getting to it. Right. Like get to the bag, like hustle. Yes, you're brilliant. You're going to be brilliant anyway. Like figure out how to make some money. And when I say this person is different to me, I mean very different. Like it almost showed me like, oh, there's two sides to Detroit. Like there's like these artsy fartsy kids who like take themselves too seriously. And it's all about the aesthetics and it being curated. And Dusty McFly even said on one of his interviews with a friend of mine, Jen, he was saying that for Detroit rap, you have the children of Blade and then the children of Dilla. Right. And so, of course, I'm not like I'm not a rapper, but I'm like, oh, if I was, I'm easily on the Dilla side. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the the musicians that play and that take their time with it. Right. And then you have the people on the other side that's like, what's working right now? What are people into? What are the opportunities that we might be missing? And how can we get on them? We look at people like that and we're like, we like judge their Instagram feed, like what it looks like. Like we we feel like we're above them. Mm-hmm. Right. And in some ways, you know, we do probably have a, a closer relationship with creativity. But I decided inside of this relationship, like, no, I want a close relationship with money and creativity. And I get to have both. But I will not have both if I have this self-important disposition of I do it when I feel like it. Mm. Because there's so many people out there that do it whether they feel like it or not. And everybody don't care that you're brilliant. Mm -hmm. There is a group of people who care that you're brilliant and who rewind your verse over and over to zero in on the lyrics. There's Yes, they exist. There's a bunch of people who don't give a damn. Mm -hmm. And you're missing out on them because you take 
a whole week to write a verse and you take three years to put projects out. Mm -hmm. And so I think I had just never even gone on that other side. I was very comfy and cozy with my highly creative, highly aesthetic community of people. And so being in an intimate space with a person that's like, there's another way to look at this. I'm like, oh, I need that too. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I am very early in this, what I call software update, because this is like, as of March, it's July now. Mm -hmm. So I still find myself like pushing back. Like, well, I don't feel like writing. I'm in a bad mood. I gave today my best right? and I will go to sleep, you know, but I, I recognize that that's something that I have to conquer in order to really get where I need to be. And I don't feel like it's too late for me to get where I, to get where I need to be. And I actually feel like all the time that I spent being like highly creative, it developed a really strong artist and so now i'm like yeah now you're ready to like kind of crank them out now right because you yeah. kind of i'm developed right yeah so you've been able to craft that or lock in on the creative side and be like hey i've been building on this for a very long time Half now my that i life. got this figured out i can get to i can formulate this to the business side yeah half my life i have been really developing as a creative. I've been listening to what I think, you know, are the, the best writers, Frank Ocean and Andre 3000, those people that is like, what did you say? You know, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've been focused on that for so long. It's funny. Like I just started doing reels like covers, right? And my uncles would tell me, my uncles are very invested in my career. They'd be like, you need to do a career. You, uh, not a career. You need to do a reel. I said, career. <laughs> <laughs> you need to do a reel and I'd be like no um I don't do covers I don't do covers like I'm a songwriter I'm not gonna let people begin to associate me with other people's music like I write my own music and it's like get over yourself mm -hmm. literally I've done two reels covers both of them and gotten 10,000 new followers over the past two months because I finally was able to humble myself <laughs> and do a cover mm -hmm. you know so it's like I'm seeing how the way that I've looked at things has been very protective of my creativity and it's like charity even when you cover somebody else's music it's highly creative mm -hmm. they feel your originality in that mm -hmm. and if they really connect they'll go they'll go find your originals and then they'll be blown away but it's like a creative like myself or what my mindset was it's like I would rather not be associated with covers and singing other people's music, even if that means that those people will eventually find my own. It's like, mm -hmm. what? So all of these updates are happening and I'm, and I'm seeing in real time and like real numbers that it makes a difference to just do it sometimes. Do you have any other like new strategies or approaches that you've been able to implement that's been able to help out with some of that? I want to be careful about what I say because once I, I'll say it because that means I got to do it. I want to release a single every month. Mm -hmm. So the way that I've thought about um, song making and song releasing is like I'm in a certain season in my life and I want to put all these songs together so that people can experience a full body of work. It's like, well, the world doesn't really work like that anymore. We don't have the patience to wait on you to make a full body of work, Beyonce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like you with your like small community of followers, like you actually 
need to be putting music out every month. So I think what I can handle is putting out a single a month, a visual. Um, and I'd like to be putting out a reel every week. Mm. Jesus. I haven't I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, I haven't figured either out yet, but this is like this is my goal. That right. is the consistency level that I want. Detaching from a body of work though, oh God, I don't want to do that. Like I want to put 12 songs out that show people who I've become after tenderheaded. I don't mm. want to do it as like, I don't want to do a la carte. I want a spread. Yeah. Right. And I think I'll get to do that again. But on the front end, I got to be a little bit more like, almost like orders, like here, 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 try this, try this, try right. this, try that. Let's get y'all, let's let's keep you, let's keep your appetite like, right. you know, a little bit satisfied yeah. and wanting a little bit more. Just a little something for your palate. Just a little something. Yeah. A little song, video, couple reels, mm -hmm. keep me in the forefront. But I'm obsessed with artists like Frank Ocean. And Frank ain't doing none of that. Frank is like, I'm going to drop a project every, every decade, damn like, near. Yeah. It's going to be mind blowing to people like me at least. And I'm not on social media and I barely perform. Mm -hmm. And so I think in my idolizing artists like himself, I'm like, well, I wanna do it like that too. But unfortunately, um, I don't think we live in a time where artists can break in that way. I think there's some rare cases. And I don't, it's not gonna be me though. And I've accepted that. Got you. Yeah. Like that. I like yeah. that. And I, it sounds like a little bit of that Detroit hustle as well coming out in you. Like yeah. that grit. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I know how to make it happen. I know it's going to work for me and I got to get it going. Yeah. I, if, if you look at my last two projects, Tenderheaded was an album that was written over years. So Double Dutch, I wrote about a boyfriend. I'll be honest, a boyfriend that I had when I was 21 um elephant i wrote about the boyfriend before that black magic and self-love were inspired by the boyfriend i had when i was living in nashville and i was like in my mid-20s mr time i was like a little bit older so i'm like it's almost like miseducation of lauren hill i tell people all the time like mm -hmm. nah lauren hill had time to write them songs mm -hmm. she wrote them songs over her life and then seasoned my three song holiday EP. I wrote, I put all of that together, everything, the video, the cover art, the songs, the process of getting the songs produced, everything happened over like a three week process. Mm. And it, it showed me like you are beyond capable of pushing songs out. Mm -hmm. I was actually listening to my Christmas music the other day, very much in July. <laughs> like listening to Days Like Christmas and Snowed In. And I was mm -hmm. like so impressed with the writing. I'm like, you are the writer that you are, whether you go fast or take your time. Mm -hmm. So you might as well go fast because everybody else is. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you don't get a, a cookie for going slow. Right. You miss out on an audience that would literally eat up anything you put out. So I just... I, I stress this so much because there's so many artists, especially those of us who were told as like kids, like I was 13 when I started impressing people with my music. So in these formative years, you start to value things that don't necessarily translate into success in your adulthood. Mm -hmm. And so I was just told that I was highly creative as a kid. Like you're highly creative. Like, 
what you wrote that and so the highly creative values being affirmed as a creator the hustler values making some money here we go here so we go. be a highly creative hustler right exactly because yeah. capitalism of course yeah yeah don't get like left that. behind exactly please yeah. don't please yeah. don't yeah and i'm curious as far as your music career so it's interesting when you had mentioned that now you feel like you're starting to lean more into the business side of it because i always wonder for a lot of the performances that you had or stages you got a chance to share with with some uh like household names mm -hmm. how do those opportunities come about for an artist like yourself who's independent who's still you know finding your way as far as like what does the whole picture look like how does that work in terms of getting gigs or opportunities like that most gigs have come to me honestly um because i have developed sort of a reputation as a strong live performer in detroit mm -hmm. right so I mean, and there's some stuff that I've gone after or, you know, at, who do I got to talk to about opening for so-and-so? But when I was like, hmm, maybe 2010, when I, I actually left TSU, where I went to school for a while, came back and I had a manager, um, Drake Pfeiffer. He's with Urban Organic, still putting on shows, curating really cool experiences, particularly like in the neo-soul genre. Mm -hmm. He was managing me for a while, and so he was putting me on stage. So when Eric Roberson came to town, I opened. When Bilal came to town, I opened. Kindred, the family soul, I was just opening for everybody because he was the promoter bringing them in. Of course, you put your artist on. And so I was strong enough uh, of a performer where that translated to other people saying, well, if we need an artist to open, especially a musician, especially if we need a girl call charity so right now i'm self-managed um and i still get those opportunities um but i also curate my own shows too mm -hmm. and those have been some of my most successful events where i'm just like i'm gonna do it myself i'm gonna collaborate with some people around the city who believe and who will maybe give me the venue for free but they take all the drinks money mm -hmm. or whatever um so like the soiree really the last couple shows we've done at del mar kenny valentino has been incredible about making sure i have a space just to to showcase my work so I think I've um, I think I've built a reputation here, but I'm excited to to build that in other cities and markets as well. For sure. And I love what you said about being able to curate your own shows and experiences, because I think as an artist, that's probably fulfilling for you. But then also just working and having different conversations around people who do business or go into business for themselves. I'm a huge proponent of like pop ups and doing yes. things like that. I feel like that's how you really get a chance to build community, build a network, build new opportunities, because like it's really the epitome of grassroots and like yeah. really like setting your foundation. Yes, I've, I've done a few. So. The first one that I did was on um, March. It was like right before, it was 313. So March 13th, this was the day before um, quarantine, like the mandated quarantine was went into effect. So that was two weeks after Tenderheaded came out. It's at mm -hmm. a beautiful venue that's no longer, I don't I don't think they're open anymore, um, but in Detroit. And so um, I, I did that show, that was my release show. And then I did a one year anniversary um, for Tenderhead at my loft. I no longer live there, but I did. It was really like a live stream kind of concert, but I sold 15 tickets. I cleared all my furniture out and did like floor pillows. Mm. And um, I told people like, there's only gonna be 15 tickets to actually come see it in person. Everybody else will have to catch the, the live stream. And just, I mean, 15 is not a crazy number at all, but the way that people were like, waiting like for the tickets to go on sale and like 
devastated that they didn't get one. It's like there's something really special about exclusivity and being able to create really up close and personal moments mm -hmm. that I'm not letting go. Like in all my ways of like learning to hustle now, I'm always going to find a way to get a few people in a room and create that sense of like, damn, I was in Charity's living room mm -hmm. listening to her perform. Um, and then we did, I think the summer after that, we did Delmar Rooftop. And that was, that was like a pivotal experience for me because um, I was really able to like, you know, put the mic to the crowd at moments where I just didn't feel like singing on, mm -hmm. on like, you know, whatever, not the most popular song off the album. And they knew every word, like, and we did well, like we sold out. Mm -hmm. Typically always been able to sell out. Um, so yeah, those moments where I'm doing my own, it's like, okay, I don't have to wait on somebody to book me. Right. People will come out and they will have a blast. For sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. What What's something that you learned from your fans or that your fans have taught you? Oh, my fan, how do I want to word this? Cause I know what the lesson is, but it's, it's such a complex thing. Um, I'll describe it and I'll see if I can summarize it as 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 a lesson. Mm -hmm. um, I was really bitter when I put Tenderheaded out because the world shut down right after I put it out and I was in a flow. I was in a creative flow. And those are hard for me to get into because mm -hmm. I take myself too serious. So I had just won the Motown Accelerator grant in 2019 and I had been to New York and LA and was taking meetings and they had given me funding to put the music out in the way that I wanted to. And I, I was doing, everything was like black woman hair centered. And so I was doing, I had planned to have this conversation series in salons. We had Chicago and Atlanta booked. We had just done Detroit. So I would play some music and we would talk about it. And it was the, the real organic experience of being in a salon, like what black women do. And so of course all of that's canceled. Like literally February 28th, it came out, the world started shutting down second week of March. Mm -hmm. And um, again, these, at this point, these are the songs that I've written over my life. You know, some of those songs have already come out on an EP prior to that, but really I kind of saved like my ones for this album. Mm -hmm. And so, um, of course, I wasn't able to tour. I wasn't able to do like this rollout. I put it out. I did my show and I had to sit down. And um, I pretty much felt like because of that, the album just wouldn't mean a lot to a lot of people. I was like, okay, whatever. We put it out. It's behind me now. Um, and so around, I don't know if they come out in November or December, but you know, Spotify and Apple Music give you like your listening reports and like who you, your top album, your top song, your top artist. In 2020, I was blown away by the amount of people that had Tenderheaded as their most listened to album and the things that they were saying to me about what Tenderheaded meant to them. Like, Tenderheaded got me through quarantine. Tenderheaded got me through this divorce, this breakup, mm -hmm. um, this depression that came along with everything going on in the world. Um, and so I guess what they've taught me is that Everything that I do matters. They've, the people that love my music, not me getting emotional. The people that <laughs> love my music love it unconditionally. Mm. And while I feel like I'm just getting started and I'm not going to stop, a part of me is full and fulfilled by the way that 
the listeners that I've gained thus far, the way that they have loved and supported and carried me. Like it is an unconditional love and the way that they, the impact that my music has had on them. I'm like, what? It's like that. Mm -hmm. And the way that that fuels me to keep creating, you have no idea. And for an artist like myself that sometimes can struggle with imposter syndrome or sometimes feel like it's too late, you know, Having people who are like, no, 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 no. The album that you didn't get to take on tour, we needed this album for what was going to happen to us on a personal level during quarantine. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you would have had some impact on tour for sure. But the kind of music we needed when we were stuck in our house, everybody was going through breakups in quarantine. It was intense. Yep. We needed this album for this time and you made it. Thank you. I was like. I'm like not a internet crier, but I remember going on my story and like thanking people for what they were tagging me. And I was like legit like tearing up because something that I thought had fallen flat for a nice group of people, it, it carried them. And I think they've taught me that like, I really can't fail. You know, if as long as I'm true to myself and as long as I'm creating from my heart, it's going to reach other people's hearts in a way that will always it, it will always fuel me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to how you've been intentional about building community and then being there and showing up for the people who do listen to your music. And then also the realness that comes with your projects as well, yeah. like I had mentioned earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I will say that when I am writing, um, and I, this is another thing I don't know that I'll let go, like, Sometimes what slows down my process is I'm like, I'm trying to tell the truth here. <laughs> and sometimes it takes a second to get the truth to come up mm -hmm. for you to tell it. And so a lot of times, like I'm sitting at my desk in my studio and I'm like, what am I feeling right now? And I know once I can put my finger on the feeling, I'm going to write something really good. Um, so I don't want to write about like. You know, I've been in writing sessions before and somebody might say something about like a location that I've never been to. And I'd be like, that's your line. That's not, I'm not singing that. And maybe I take myself too serious in that regard. But I do think that my magic is like wearing my heart outside my body through mm -hmm. my songs. Um, and so like as I'm learning to like hustle and be faster about my process, I still need to I still need to keep my heart centered and forward and I also need to protect it in that process and so that's why I say like we got to check back in a year and see how all of this works out because there is a part of my process that I am not going to let go mm -hmm. and that it is that part because I could I could make a lot of money off music and have a million followers and if my songs got empty and flat I know I would be unfulfilled and unhappy mm -hmm. so it's important to me that 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 stays intact yeah let me ask you this where are all of the soul r&b influenced singers when it comes to like the detroit scene because right now as far as hip-hop and rap goes like it's definitely our moment but like as you know this this motown like yeah. this is it's Plenty of singers that's either in the church or yeah. like used to do their thing, come from a long line of singers. But where is that momentum as far as like, um, and mainstream might not be the play for everybody or where people want to go. Yeah. But as far as uh, I feel like there's a void right now for mm -hmm. people who are, um, who make similar music to you as far as just the, the soul aspect of it. Yeah. R&B, like true, yeah. like singing, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a void um, from that standpoint. So just curious, yeah. like if you. Yeah, um, I would say 
what's going on now, Amber Lewis does a really cool um, night at Willis show mm. bar. Um, I think it's on pause for now, but on Thursday, she was showcasing a lot of like those more um, live music, like neo soul R&B artists in mm. that space. Um, I know some people who are really trying to create spaces for it. Um, like there's Caleb Shoemake, who's making really great music, Isis DeMille, Lori Love, uh, Super Cool Wicked. She's incredible. Um, So there's, those artists are there, are here, I should say, but I do feel like we end up having to create our own opportunities. So like, if you're not getting the opening slots for like the bigger artists that come in town, when do you perform? So that's why I think what Amber was doing at Willis was really cool. Um, But you're right. There is, there's a, there's not enough opportunities for artists like myself and some of those artists that I mentioned. I don't know, Nico Noir, I forgot her, um, to really just be able to like sing and get seen singing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was thinking about this not too long ago, just as far as like R&B and, and from a, a, a woman's standpoint as well, like post Motown, like who are the women singers that kind of like came out of Detroit? And it's not like a ton that at least come off the top of mind because we had um what is her name i'm blanking on her name but she was uh the first singer signed to rockefeller from here yeah um she was on love and hip-hop i can't oh, remember tiara marie tiara marie we had tiara marie uh queen Nigel. i don't know if she's from is she from detroit i think or, so okay or at least michigan. is she from detroit yeah she at least from michigan i think uh-huh um so yeah that like and and with with all love to those ladies i don't consider that like to be a child of Motown like what Ah, that music sounds like um humbly I would say that I really make modern Motown music um very much driven by live instrumentation and um the kind of songwriting that makes you feel like I'm included in this like Mm -hmm. that's Motown um and Motown was bright too like it was, it was, there was a certain deliberate positivity about Motown, um, and I've really done my best to create from that legacy. Um, but I think, I think Detroit is like you have Motown, and that's like our biggest thing that we've done musically. But we kind of just the city, like it's a little bit more R and B, like yeah. and R and B and Motown are so not the same to Facts. me. That's a fact, you know. Yeah. So a lot of our singers. They probably end up in Atlanta or just in other spaces that are more R&B adjacent. Mm. And then Detroit, you know, any space that's under-resourced, the arts suffer the most. Mm. And so we are we are an under-resourced city, unfortunately. We're getting we're, we're getting there. We're coming back. We're seeing um the the culture that has never left Detroit. We're seeing it actually get an opportunity to be showcased, like Afro Nation coming to Detroit in Fire. August. That's incredible. Fire, yeah. Um, but I think ultimately, when a city is under resourced, the arts go first. Just like it's, it, school district, um, when the when the when the budget gets cut, it's like arts go. And so I think in general, Detroit just has not having had an infrastructure that's had an excess that they could put towards arts. But I think as everything starts to elevate, we're going to see that this city specifically elevates when we elevate the artists. If you look at the moment that was Motown, yes, there was something happening on an industrial level with automobiles, right? Right. But ultimately, 
Motown and the music being created from this space has a lot to do with it. And so I think, and I see some people really doing some great work around it. Um, my guy, Addo, that's with Bedrock. He does a lot of work around, um, I really think Afro Nation is coming here because of him. That's okay. just like my shameless plug <laughs> from my brother. But um, I see him creating spaces for artists to really, you know, he's like doing a happy hour at the Shinola Hotel on a Monday where Donovan Glover is DJing. That means something right. for somebody to go to a happy hour on a Monday in Detroit where one of our best DJs is spinning. And so I'm seeing those things start to happen. And I think the people who know something know that elevating the artists elevates the city. Nice. Yeah. I, like, I like how you put that. Yeah. So what's next for Charity? What's on the horizon? Any uh, exclusive drops about projects you might be able to give us? Or Yeah, um, not really anything like I have no dates that I can share. Um, my goal is to put some some music out before um, my PJ Morton show. I'm opening for PJ at the Aretha on August 16th. Um, and then, yeah, really what's next for Charity is like, continuing to undergo these updates and to allow that to manifest in my creative process and also in my like outcomes and deliverables right like it's not enough for it to just happen here i need to be able to touch something that's a reflection of it so that's really where i am right now and are you putting a time frame on your updates and refresh um i am in terms of like okay time to put some music out that's mm. enough you know, so like August, you got to put some music out. Gotcha. You know, yes. That's all I can say. For sure. And <clears throat> where can the good people find you if they want to listen to your music, if they want to learn more about you, follow your journey? Yes. So if you want to listen to my music, it's available on all streaming platforms. So um, and it's under Charity, C-H-A-R-I-T-Y. My last project is called Seasoned. It's a Christmas project for the most part, but you might still like another one on there that's kind of neutral, kind of gospel. And then Tenderheaded is my full length project. Before that, you can also follow me on Instagram at Charity, C-H-A-R-I-T-Y. CharityTheArtist.com. Not too much happening on the website. Um, so, yeah. Nice. And then for the, like I said earlier, the four people who may have not heard of Charity just yet. Like I said, I'm a recent fan. I listen to both Tender Headed and Season. I thought they were amazing. You listen so. to Season in the Summertime? I let, no, I listen to it in the... Oh, it was good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I, I will listen to it in the summertime. I was, I was bumping it the other day like, dang, timeless. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the type of vibe that it gave off. So yeah. didn't even recognize it was a holiday or a Christmas type really? project. Like, I just like, oh, this is some this is some real music during the, uh, the middle of the winter. That's I appreciate all. that. That's how I wanted it to come off. Yeah. That's nice. good. It's good. Mission accomplished. Yes. Thank you. Well, Charity, thank you so much for thank you. the creative projects and the work that you do. As you can tell, as you already know, impacting people in so many different ways. So grateful that you stopped by the podcast and shared your journey with us. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. This is my first time talking about a lot of this stuff. So it felt good to like hear it. Um, so yeah, let's let's definitely do this in a year and see see where I'm at. Say less. <laughs> it's done. And All everybody right. watching, we'll see y'all later. Peace.